And welcome to episode 127, 127 episodes of Chesney Unchained coming to you from DNVR down here off of Colfax. Make sure you get down and check out the bar and studio. It's a pretty special place. Uh, remember to check out the website at thednvr.com. You can see all the shows, DNVR Bust, DNVR Broncos. Uh, the Nuggets are starting back up, so make sure you you uh, you uh, check out everything they're doing. We're going to talk about them and the, the huge contract for Michael Porter Jr. today. Uh, and, you know, obviously Murray coming back healthy and the expectations for them. Um, and make sure you get down to the bar off of Colfax for all the games. I mean, especially on away weekends. I'm, the CSU is on a bye this weekend. Uh, but get down there, support Air Force, support the bus, support the Broncos. Uh, and, and you know, there's not a better place to watch uh, a game than at the DNVR bar off of Colfax. So just keep that in mind, to say the least. Um, like always, our uh, show here is brought to you by our good friends at DraftKings. And it's been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only going to get better at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. You bet just $1 on any football game this week, and you receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. This football season, all customers can swing big with DraftKings' same-game parlays, which I have been absolutely cleaning up on the same-game parlays, so I'm telling you, this is that shit. Um, The same-game parlays allows you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, place a same-game parlay on any NFL game, and you will be credited up to $25 if your bet loses. Now, we don't think about losing, but if you get your money back up to $25, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And the best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR to receive $150 in free bets instantly when you place a $1 bet on any football game this weekend. That's promo code DNVR to get $150 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? 1-800-522-4700. And we roll here on McChesney Unchained, episode 127. Um, Before we get started, tomorrow afternoon... Uh, my boy, Bo Williams and my boy, Bobby Pesaveno and I, when we were in Vegas for the opener, uh, at the, at the beginning of the season, I flew out there after the buffs played Texas A&M and we were out there for three days for all the opening weekend of the NFL. And I was cleaning up and made about 15 G's that, that weekend in Vegas. And my boy, Bo, who's the, how do I say this? Uh, Bo is a go-getter. He's a motherfucking hustler, and I love it. It's one of the it's one of the things that why we're so close and why we've been boys for so long. Bo played tight end at CU back in the day. Obviously, Pesavino, you can hear him on all the broadcasts for the Buffs, and he was the quarterback for the 0-1 title team, and well, a Buff great. And we just came up with this idea that maybe we should, you know, charge people for betting knowledge. So everybody, tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be doing our first uh, armchair donkeys. Um, podcast and Bo has set it all up go on Instagram and get on the armchair donkeys uh account and follow the page follow uh Bo at unstoppable Bo and then follow pop Bobby at Bobby Pesaveno um and we're gonna you know it, eventually we're gonna have turn it into a subscription page and make people pay for the knowledge but right now we're trying to build it and we'd love to uh you know obviously have as many listeners as possible and and people that wanted some intimate 
knowledge. And look, man, I'm not sitting here tooting my own horn or anything, but, but um, every single weekend since football has started, every single weekend since football has started, I have made over, I think the lowest I made was this weekend. I made 7,500 on Sunday. So that's the lowest total I've made since the beginning of the year. And we'd love to help save that or, uh, or spread that knowledge to you guys. So make sure you check that out at Armchair Donkeys on Instagram with Bo Williams, Bobby Pesaveno, and me, the fucking big dog. All right, we roll here. Episode 127, McChesney Unchained, DNVR. All right, the Nuggets signed Michael Porter Jr. to a max. Um, I love it. I love it. I, Murray coming back. I don't know if I've ever been more excited for a nugget season than this one. You know, the last two years with them having to overcome COVID and being in the bubble and making it to the Western Conference Finals, that was, it was so fun to watch that entire, you know, the, the, the entire progression of the team when they were young and just getting better. And then last year when Murray got hurt, it was supposed to be this death nail for them. And they, you know, Jokic ends up in, winning the MVP and, and he deserved it. I mean, it was a runaway last year, as far as, as I'm concerned. Um, but you saw Porter Jr., you know, step up to the table at times, but there's a lot that is, you know, desired there. But the, he's young, and with Murray coming back healthy, I'd like to think he's back sometime in January. Man, this team has got to just be, you know, a top one, two, or three seed in the West. You would think the Lakers are going to be absolutely fucking stacked, obviously. They go out and get Carmelo and Russell Westbrook. And the last time I saw a Lakers team stack the deck like this, they had Carl Malone and the glove, Gary Payton and Shaq and Kobe, and they lost to the Pistons in the finals. So I'm not saying that it's the end-all, be-all, that the Lakers are just going to go clean house but they're pretty fucking good. Uh, the West is absolutely stacked. And there's not, there's no real way to deny that. I mean, if anything, if the Nuggets are a top four seed and they can get home court, I don't think Phoenix will be the same team they were next year as they were last year. I just don't see it. I think if anybody's going to fall off, it's them. And for some reason, I think Utah is going to fall off, too. I think Rudy Gobert, for as good as he is in the regular season, he is dog shit in the playoffs. And he sure does get exposed a lot for being a multi-time, you know, NBA Defensive Player of the Year. When I think of Defensive Players of the Year, it's, I mean, Rudy's good, but there's just something about that cat that makes me feel like everybody wants to attack him in the playoffs, and he seems to wilt. Um, it happened again this year. I think he was the key to them really, you know, losing that series. Uh, the way they did. So, look, the West is going to be an absolute war. The East is getting better, but let's be real. You know, the Bucs went and went, won the title last year against a crippled Brooklyn team without the majority of their best players. Uh, Kevin Durant went off, but he can only do so much. So, I, I, Brooklyn's going to be there in the East. You know, obviously, the Bucs are going to be there in the East. I'm, they're only going to get better riding the momentum of winning an NBA title, and congratulations to them. Uh, but the West is where, you know, it's going to be a night in or night in, night out, absolute dogfight. So the Clippers are going to be a really hard out next year with a healthy Kawhi. And Golden State, I mean, Golden State healthy, getting Clay Thompson back and that, you know, the center that they drafted two years ago, I can't remember his name, but he was a top pick. That kid's a freak. And a healthy Draymond and everybody working together with Kerr. I mean, it, you've got the purest shooter that's ever fucking picked up a basketball in history and Stephen Curry. So, I just, I cannot wait for the NBA to, to tip off. I really can't. And I know there's a lot of fucking people out there that don't like the NBA because of the flopping and so on and so forth. 
I think it literally is the best athletes in the world doing something that, you know, there's 12 guys to a roster. You have to be absolutely unequivocally elite in order to be successful. There's very few hustle guys. I don't see too many Aguardo Naharas or, uh, you know, <laughs> Mark Madsons. I don't see a whole lot of those dudes around the NBA anymore. So, you know, the game has evolved a lot since I was a kid. And I'm just, I'm so glad I grew up when I did in the 90s watching Jordan and Ewing and Elijah Wan and Barkley and all those cats and, and Pippen and everybody else, you know, in the transition into the Kobe era and the Shaq era and so on and so forth. It's just the ball just keeps on turning here and LeBron's getting towards the end of his career. And, you know, I was talking to my sons yesterday about this and they were asking about the Nuggets and they're super excited for the season to start up as well. And uh, the first thing my 11 year old Nick said to me, who's by the way, Nick is wearing all my clothes. He's 11. He has size 13 and a half shoes already. This kid is eating me out of house and home, but I will say this. Uh, he's going to school for goddamn free. Tell you that shit. Learn how to pass rush a kick set. And Daddy's not paying any fucking college bills. Bam. But back to LeBron, he looked at me and goes, Dad, can we go see LeBron? I want to make sure we get to see him live before he retires. And just an 11-year-old to have that kind of frame of mind, I was like, wow, that's pretty educated shit. You're damn straight we're going to see LeBron before he retires. So I really cannot wait for the season to kick off. Uh, or tip off the abs are going to be awesome the broncos look like they're a playoff team so as their season's winding down the nuggets and the ass will be winding up the nuggets are a western conference finals or bust nba finals or bust type of team this year i think jamal murray is going to come back with a fucking huge chip on his shoulder ready to prove everybody that you know right because i think people are getting behind the fact that he's going to be healthy and, and kicking ass I, I keep hearing the narrative that it's going to take two years for him to recover. I, I just don't see it. I think that the way he's been rehabbing and everything, I'm sure he'll come back with a fury. Um, can Nikola Jokic repeat last year? I don't think he needs to. I'm not saying he doesn't need to play at an NBA MVP level. I'm saying with a, a more consistent, mature, and offensive force in Michael Porter Jr., and hopefully, you know, MPJ gets the affirmation he needed for his pocketbook and he can just kind of play loose and free and be more consistent and be averaging 25, 26 rather than the 19 he averages. If that can happen and Jamal Murray comes back and he can contribute and the bench can continue to get better and better and continue to develop, you know, we can find if Will Barton can be consistent and we can, you can find some, you know, a little bit of dash of madness with some of the other guys. I don't think Jokic needs to repeat the crazy stat line he had last year in order for the Nuggets to be successful. And, and but I will say this, I don't think he was burned out at the end of last year. I think he was fed up mentally with the fact that he literally had to do fucking everything. And you could tell when he got kicked out of that game four loss to Phoenix my sons and I were at that game sitting damn near courtside and you could see the frustration on his face. And that was an awful call. You don't kick the MVP out of the playoff game for any reason, unless he's throwing haymakers. But I just think that he was a little frustrated last year, knowing that regardless of what he does, he can go for a triple double. There's still going to be either in a dogfight or lose. Whereas next year, I think that he could average less points, less assists and less rebounds, not by a lot, but by a little and less minutes less wear and tear on the big man's body. Uh, although he is, looks to be in great shape and looks to have figured that out. Uh, it can only help him as he goes into the playoffs. So needless to say, the big guys pumped about the Denver Nuggets and their potential this year. And man, if the Nuggets ever win a fucking NBA title, I may be 
crying and sniveling like a little fucking baby girl. Just, oh my God, the Nuggets won a fucking title. Oh, man, I'd be the happiest son of a bitch on earth. I can't play basketball lick. I can play fucking defense and rebound, but I don't know if that's basketball necessarily. I mean, if I get six fouls, I'm using eight of them. So I, I just, I can't wait for the season to start and the Nuggets to tip it off. So we'll, we will see how it goes to say the least. Uh, remember, you can get everything uh, that we do down at Six Zero Football Academy uh, at Six Zero Football Academy.com. Okay. Six Zero Academy.com is the website. Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram will give you all the information about what we do and how we do it. Uh, down in Denver, uh, we've had coaches in and out all week. Uh, I've met with Louis Adazio, the offensive line coach from Colorado State yesterday at the, at the lab. Coach Best, the offensive line coach from Nevada, was in there the other day in the lab. Uh, we've had multiple coaches from CU down and on the phone with them. We've got about nine, ten guys going up for the SCCU game this weekend uh, to go on visits. I've been on the phone with Nebraska. And I know some people don't like to hear that, but I'm sending kids there if they want to recruit them. That's for damn sure. Uh, from Wyoming, Nebraska, LSU, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, UCLA, Oregon, Oregon State. The hits just keep on coming. So, Check it all out at sixzeroacademy.com. A big congratulations to Zach Henning. Zach Henning, the great junior tackle over at Grandview. Bags another offer. Nevada offered him the other day. Um, and just some of the, you know, conversations that you have with the coaches when they come in to, to sit down and talk about recruiting. Number one, when you hear things from coaches and they say like, well, we only really go to five or six high schools and six zero. And it, it, it makes me feel good, but at the same time, it also shines a huge light on the problem here, which is it's hobby town. And in hobby town, it's really fun to go on vacation, but it's not fun to live in fucking hobby town. So until the state of Colorado understands that when I criticize a coach, when I when I or a, a philosophy or whatever, it's not necessarily pointing each individual out. It's looking at the entire situation and going. This is unacceptable. We've got to fix this because when you have multiple coaches tell you the same thing in different terminology, that they're not really recruiting Colorado unless the kid is special and or that is not a good thing. There are multiple kids in the state that can play at a very high level. And all we do at 6-0 is try and build a bridge for them to be seen, to push their tape, to advocate for them, to get them on the sideline at places so we can leverage opportunities. Last week, I put a video out in our public service announcement down to 6-0 simply saying that if you don't like the way we do things at 6-0, it's real simple. Do your fucking job, and then I won't have one. But until that happens, we're going to continue to shuffle them in, develop them, change them mentally, and ship them out on full ride so the parents can do jumping jacks all the way to the fucking Bahamas on vacation with that college fund money. So that's what we do. Check it out, 6-0academy.com, and we roll here, episode 127. On DNVR Buffs this week with my man Henry, we are going to be talking about the bus in Arizona State, the bus in SC, so on and so forth. I don't want to get too much into Colorado right now because of that reason. So make sure you check out uh, DNBR bus tomorrow afternoon. I'll be recording that with Henry at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about, to say the least. I will be up there on Saturday. Again, we've got about nine, ten guys going up for recruiting visits. I'll actually be on the sideline with my man Lawrence Vickers uh, down there trying to help the team and motivate them and get in their ear a little bit you know, try and contribute from an outsider's view. Uh, the boys aren't going with me this weekend. They're disappointed, but the big guy's got to go rock the house alone. Okay, so we get into college football here. Number one, in my opinion, it's Bama and Georgia and everybody else. Georgia absolutely hammered Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt looks like they need to, like, move down a division or something, and they need to put somebody else that actually wants to play in the SEC in that slot because they are dog shit. 62 to nothing uh, in, ten, in Knoxville. 
uh, where Vandy plays. And look, the line on that was 35 and a half, and it was 35 to nothing at the end of the goddamn first quarter. The only time I've ever seen that in any other game, honestly, uh, that I can remember is unfortunately when CU went to Fresno State in like 2011, they were down 35 to nothing at the end of the first quarter uh, with the, you know, the younger car brother playing quarterback. So that's not a good thing, needless to say. Vandy needs to get the shit together. Uh, Alabama is a damn good football team. They're a professional football team wearing a college uniform. God knows how many kids on that roster are going to be drafted again next year. But I think there were like six or seven Alabama players in the first round last year. They probably matched that again this year. They're the team to beat. I would not be surprised at all if that is the SEC or the, yeah, the SEC title game. Although Florida and Arkansas and LSU and Auburn, they're all going to have something to say about this as the, as the year continues. Oregon, okay? I think Oregon is going to be a victim of the Pac-12 cannibalizing itself. And this happens constantly. We know this. Now, number one, the uniforms Oregon wore the other night were maybe the cleanest uniforms I've ever seen. The black with the yellow under the lights in Oxen. That place was fucking rocking. Arizona and their old school uniforms. I really like that look as well. They, you know, they came up and absolutely gave Oregon all they could handle. It was a dogfight the entire game, uh, and Oregon ended up pulling out. But I just don't see them going undefeated, unfortunately, for the Pac-12. I will say this, though. Mario Cristobal, who I know personally, we sent Kai Anderson up there. He's uh, one of the offensive linemen for Oregon. They just offered Justin Bates, who committed to Oklahoma. We have a really good relationship with Oregon. And Mario Cristobal is an old-school offensive lineman, played at the U in their glory days. Uh, he's an intense ass kicking, take no bullshit, respect first coach. And all you fucking mental cripples out there in the world who can't handle the fact that his wide receiver had a huge game, picked up, got up, spun the ball in front of the guy and got a taunting penalty. It's a point of emphasis this year in college football and the NFL to call taunting. I guarantee you they went over it in the meeting room. The kid ran off the field. Mario spiked his fucking headset off his head and started screaming at him and pointing him on the sideline. And the kid looked him dead in the eye, and you can see him on video say, yes, sir. That's what you're looking for from the young man, number one. And honestly, it's what I'm looking for from Coach Cristobal as well, because honestly, Oregon needs that kind of discipline in order to run with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, so on and so forth, who they beat at the beginning of the year in the horseshoe. So, again, football is not for everybody. Everybody needs to understand this. Mario Cristobal is not only developing a future NFL football player, the kid hopes, but a father and a fucking man. And as a man, you have to be man enough to handle an ass chewing every now and then and move forward with your life and not, you know, call the fucking politically correct police or send an email to your congressman or call your mommy and cry or some other bullshit. So this kid has a ton of potential to be as good as he wants to be. He made a mistake to hurt his team. And Mario set the tone and, and everybody else on the team said, oh shit, guaranteed. Everybody else on that roster said, God damn, coach is pissed. We better not do that shit. No more taunting penalties. And the kid handles it correctly, too. So, again, if the outrage is more from the stands and the student section and, you know, all the woke motherfuckers out here, and the kid doesn't even care, and he's like, yeah, it was, a, it was an experience for me to learn. It's constructive criticism. That's the way coaching works. We're man-building in college. And what is the outrage? So again, people pump your fucking brakes, man. I mean, it's amazing to me how SOF capital T soft huh, some of you are. I mean, softer than, than baby shit on a warm day in a wet diaper in, in, at, at, at a lake house. That is some soft ass shit. 
So, again, I don't see Oregon getting out of the Pac-12 uh, schedule unscathed. I mean, that the, the Pac-12 is going to eat itself again, unfortunately. Uh, they play Stanford at the farm this weekend. Stanford gave UCLA all the handle. Uh, so, obviously, you know, it, it's it's another Dungeon family battle. You get Kai at Oregon, and we've got Drake and, and Bear Miller. Drake Nugent and Bear Miller are the starting guard and starting center at Stanford. They played really well last week. Couldn't pull it out. They'd like nothing more than to ruin Oregon's season and get Stanford moving in the right direction at the farm this weekend. Um, the ACC, okay. Uh, North Carolina State almost had to, like, lock their kicker in a padded room and, and guard him from being, like, literally set on fire by the entire state of North Carolina. Uh, but he pulled it out at the end. Where North Carolina State upsets Clemson, uh, who was ranked ninth in the country the first time they've beaten them in a long time. But, you know, the first time Clemson's been out of the top 25, they're 25th right now in like 86 weeks or some crazy shit. So obviously they've been what they've been doing down in, in South Carolina. Clemson has been working. No one's debating that. They had a ton of injuries. DJ Alphabet, I can't pronounce his last name. I ain't even going to try. He is really, really struggling processing information. The ball comes out so slow. It's on target some of the time, but it is slow as molasses. Uh, and, and that is hurting his football team, to say the least. They're not as physical up front. And look, eventually losing multiple first-round draft picks, when you lose your starting quarterback to the number one pick and Travis Etienne, your starting running back, who's the ACC player of the year twice out of his four years there, he goes in the first round as well. You, move, you lose multiple offensive linemen. You move, lose multiple defensive players that were all draft picks. You're going to eventually struggle now. I didn't see DJ, the quarterback, struggling like this. This is now four weeks. They're two and two. He does not look good at all. They may want to consider playing somebody else because eventually you're just going to look at your team and go, we can't waste all this talent like this. this we've got too much talent on the field just to develop this kid. He needs to develop in practice. The processing for him is just god-awful atrocious. So what do they do? You know, you, you lose. You don't make the playoffs this year. You re, you reload instead of in, instead of just, you know, having another guy in that's just going to be a first-round draft pick. No one's saying DJ's not going to be a player, but this kind of shit, the negativity in the media, you know, getting called out, the, the negativity at the stadium when they're chanting for another guy behind him four games into his progression, that doesn't, you know, with NIL, the, the name, image, and likeness stuff in college football, the ability for kids to just not have to eat shit anymore and they can like go to the transfer portal wherever they want. And DJ could probably get some money in the transfer portal. So he doesn't necessarily need to hang around for all the negativity. Eventually college athletes are going to start doing what pro athletes do and just be like, fucking I'm out. So you don't necessarily want to push them down that road. But again, if you can't play, you can't cover it up on national TV. Like the game's filmed. I always love the high school coaches in Colorado, especially, I don't know about other places, but here they like, won't, some of them won't release the high school kids tape. So like they, they say that we don't want anybody to find out our super complicated scheme. And I think that's like the most cowardice shit I've ever heard. You can't hide. Everything's filmed. We can see you. So, I mean, what the fuck are we talking about? DJ can't hide at Clemson. We can't hide at Columbine high school. You can't hide at Fossil Ridge. You can't hide at, at Palmer Ridge, you can't hide. Football's filmed. Everything you do, lack of effort, great effort, good block, bad block, on your ass, kicking ass. It doesn't matter. We're going to see it. And you can either know you can play and not let the good plays rot your teeth, or you can, you can try and take the ass kicking and the embarrassment of being on tape, getting fucked up, and fix it. 
again, this it all comes back full circle to the politically correct nature of football, trying to make it nice, trying to make it safe, trying to act like we don't want savage fucking wild animals running around trying to rip people's heads off. Like, wow, we don't want those guys anymore. Yeah, okay, I'll kill them with kindness. What do you want me to use? Harsh language? Give me a fucking break. So again, it goes full circle to how is DJ going to be able to handle all this criticism? Does he have the, you know, the, the mental stability and strength to handle it? Because that Clemson, that pressure is real. If you think about the last two quarterbacks are Deshaun Watson and other than the rub and tug aspect of his life where he's got God knows how many women saying that he pays for a little massage and a little jerk jerk. Uh, other than that, he's pretty fucking good. And then Trevor Lawrence was the first pick in the draft this year. And that's obviously what everybody thought DJ was going to just mature into. So we will see. Uh, they played Boston College this week. Been, Boston College is an 18 and a half point dog on the road. I would take that number all day. I watched BC go toe to toe with Missouri last week and win that game uh, in, in Chestnut Hill where they play. And they, if, if Missouri would have won that game, I would have hit an eight game parlay on the college football Saturday. So that sucks. But other than that, it was a hell of a game. BC can hammer the rock and they play relatively good defense. So I would take 18 and a half points. Uh, on the road at Clemson, and they are anemic on offense. So we we will see what happens there. Um, all right, the Big Ten. I think personally Penn State is the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, they've got the best resume up to this point. I, I really like their defense. They play balls to the wall. Um, I, but the Buckeyes and Ohio State, they're as good as advertised when they're on. And when they're off and they're not very interested, they struggle with teams like Tulsa or they get beat at home by Oregon. Uh, but when they're on, I mean, they're as good as anybody in the country and they've got multiple first rounders on their team. And you can tell, I mean, they're, they are as fast as you want to be. So Ohio state, you know, obviously is going to be there at the end. All these teams I'm about to talk about are in the East. You know, I was struggled with Colorado state. I met again, I met with Louis Adazio, the O-line coach from CSU the other day down at the gym talking about players and recruits. And you could tell he was pissed off and distraught. They had a chance to beat Iowa. You can't give the ball up on your own six-yard line and expect to beat a team in Iowa City like Iowa's ranked fifth. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, that whole situation. We'll talk about it on DNBR bus with my man Henry. But Minnesota loses to Bowling Green. I mean, Bowling Green was a negative 10,000 money line. Um, and they shut out CU at home the week before. So, again, college football is pretty crazy at times. Um, but – Look, Penn State's good. Ohio State's good. The, that battle, whenever it comes uh, in Happy Valley or the shoe, is probably going to determine who, you know, plays Michigan or Michigan State for the for the East because I think both of them are dark horses. I know Michigan State, you know, struggle with Rutgers, but Rutgers, you know, they, I took the points with Rutgers and won that bet, obviously, as, as they gave Michigan all they could handle in, in the big house. Um Look, you're going to struggle in conference games. There's no chumps. Greg Schiano's got Rutgers rolling. They got a lot of grad transfers. They got dudes coming in. That num I think the number two or three quarterback commit in the country is a five-star. Has just left high school and gone to Rutgers early just to get a head start on all that shit, which I think is pretty smart if you're that guy and you can get out of high school early and leave. There's not a whole lot good going on in high school your senior year if you're already committed. Just an opportunity to get fat and slow and fuck up. Uh, so good for him. But I, Rutgers has got Ohio State in the shoe this week. I don't think they win, but they're going to give Ohio State all they can handle. Michigan and Michigan State are two really interesting teams to me. Michigan looks like Harbaugh's got this team rolling. I like their quarterback, McNamara. He can really gun it. 
Uh, from what I hear from Reese Atterbury, who's up there playing offensive line now, and then Connor Jones, who is early enrolling in January and is committed to Michigan right now. Um, you know, and Sharon Moore and, and, and Port Chop Kyle Devan, who is the assistant offensive line coach. Sharon is the head offensive line coach. They got that fucking group eaten, and they look like an old-school smash-mouth Michigan offensive line. They're moving people up front viciously. The defense looks pretty good. And, yeah, you know, they're going to struggle at times. You'd like them to beat the shit out of, out of Rutgers if you're a Michigan fan, but a win is a, is a win. In years past, they would have dropped that fucking game. And Michigan State, I know nobody wants to hear this, but I don't really give a shit. It's the business of football, and I'm a businessman, and that's what it is. Uh, Michigan State's good, man. They, you know, they're undefeated. They're ranked. They beat Nebraska at home in overtime. Anytime you beat Nebraska, you're going to get a pat on the back from me. Um, Mel Tucker has got that group humming. Uh, Coach Kapovich, their, their offensive line coach, Braden Miller, uh, the, the great tackle from Eagle Crest. And the Eagle Crest uh, Raptors had a, a big-time fucking game on Thursday night with Braden Miller uh, going against Jackson Adams and Jabir Ramos from Arapahoe. Tyler Brayton is actually the defensive line coach at Arapahoe. I cannot wait to go to that game Thursday night. I'm taking my boys go watch my guys play against each other. I am so excited about it. Uh, Rappo was in early this morning getting it on and, and getting their work in. Eagle Crest was in 30 minutes later. You should have seen the interaction right when they walked in and walked past each other. That's why we do this shit. But Braden is committed to Michigan State. He's committed to Sparty, and he loves Coach Cap. He, he loves Coach Tucker and their attitude and the way that they develop and how tough as fuck they are. And I know there's a lot of bad blood with Mel Tucker in Boulder, and there should be, uh, but he don't give a fuck. And anybody who says that they wouldn't double their salary to go take a job, then you're a liar. You're just a fucking liar. So I think Sparty is going to either ruin a lot of people's holidays and not get them into where they want to go, or they could be that dark horse team that sneaks in. They've made the playoff before uh, in East Lansing, and they're pretty damn good. I'm not saying they're playoff worthy, but they could easily, easily, easily beat Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State, beat two of the three. But this is an opportunity for the East Division of the Big Ten to cannibalize itself, to say the least. Um, okay, the Big 12, we won't spend a ton of time here. Number one, with Houston and BYU and who else? And Cincinnati and Houston, BYU, Cincinnati. And who's the fucking fourth one? I don't even – and UCF. I'll go into the Big 12 in Texas and Oklahoma lead. That puts them at 12. I really, really think SMU went into, into Fort Worth this weekend and beat TCU again. That's last year they beat them in Dallas. This year they beat them in Fort Worth. I know it's the same place, but it's on separate sides of the, of the city. I think SMU deserves that. Uh, I mean, deserves a strong word. SMU needs to be in the Big 12. Boise State needs to be in the Big 12. They just need to stop fucking around and go to 14 or 16 teams. And if they add Boise and they add uh, – SMU, which I don't know why you wouldn't add SMU. Um, that puts them at 14. Boise can be that BYU part of it, the Northern Division. You keep Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State in, in that. And then you have your Texas teams that, and, and Oklahoma State and teams like that. And it, it just keeps it driving in the right direction. So that needs to happen, in my opinion. Um, Oklahoma State is the dark horse in that conference for me. I think that the Cowboys, you know, they mopped up Kansas State uh, at home. Uh, on Saturday, and I think that they're pretty good. They've got a lot of returning players. I like their quarterback, and, and you know, Mike Gundy's got them rolling in the right direction. And funding, damn sure ain't a problem in Stillwater. All right, so let's roll here. The National Football League. Remember, I will be talking about the bus on DNVR bus with my man Henry tomorrow. Um, the NFL, we'll talk about the Broncos at the end of this. I want to get through uh, week three, number one. First, I hit a nice six-game parlay 
uh, the other day on Sunday with Justin Tucker sealing it with a 66 yard fucking uh, kick to win the game. That one that obviously helped. And then the Raiders went in an overtime sealed it. So that was a nice little six game parlay action there. Remember, if uh, you go to Armchair Donkeys on Instagram, you can follow the uh, the new show that my man Bobby Pesavino, Bo Williams, and myself are going to be doing. Our first episode is tomorrow, uh, and we're going to be uh, talking about anything and everything when it comes to lines and betting and so on and so forth. So, number one, the Chargers going to Arrowhead beat the Chiefs thirty to twenty four. LA's two and one. The Chiefs are one and two. Um, the, the Chiefs are not unbeatable. They were blueprinted last year by Tampa Bay on how to beat them. Uh, Mahomes is reckless with the ball at times, and there were multiple turnovers on Sunday that led to this loss. Mahomes and Herbert are literally going to go after each other like fucking gangbusters again and again and again for a good 12, 15 years in the AFC West. You know, Carr's going to be there for a while with the Raiders. He ain't going nowhere. And it looks like Teddy Bridgewater might get himself a deal in Denver if he keeps this up. So you're going to have some good quarterback rivalries, to say the least. But Mahomes and Herbert are going to be great. Um, you know, it's good to see the Chargers beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are one and two. They're dead last in the AFC West. I don't think that's going to stay that way. They're going to figure it out. They signed uh, Josh Gordon today, the wide receiver who was reinstated. I understand that he... Can't stop smoking dope, but again, you shouldn't be getting suspended for smoking dope either. So hopefully that's, you know, something he's overcome as a man. I know addiction is hard to overcome, but he's a pretty smart cat and, and everybody's pulling for him. And I really hope that he can figure it out and and, and be consistent, just not when they played Denver. Um, so th that game was fucking nuts to say the least. The Chargers going in to Kansas City and getting the W. Remember last year, the Raiders went in uh, the first week of October and beat Kansas City on the road. So they're not invincible by any means. They do have deficiencies that they need to fix. Defensively, they're not as good as they have been in the past. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the Chargers, you know, they get the Raiders on Monday night this week, and that, that's going to be a hell of a game in SoFi. It's going to be a Raider home game. There's going to be more Raider fans there than Charger fans. The, the L.A. is still a Raiders town. They like the Rams. They like the Chargers. But there are fucking tons of Raider fans in L.A. If you think about it, they've got – fans all over California and now in Vegas it's the Bay Area is, is half Raiders LA is all Raiders in my opinion you know the Rams and the Chargers yeah they're cute uh but and then Vegas obviously that you couldn't find a better team to go to Vegas other than the Raiders all right the Bears um the Bears get absolutely shit stomped in at home uh, against or excuse me on the road against Cleveland Cleveland wears the throwback unis with the numbers on the side super clean the Bears had 47 fucking yards of offense, one net yard passing, one yard passing in an NFL game. Justin Fields, I can't really put it on him. I mean, he didn't play good by any means. He's sacked nine times. Miles Garrett gets four and a half of them. Um, it was an absolute shit show offensively. They were just beat down. The protection was terrible from a physical standpoint, like guys just getting beat. But from a scheme standpoint, they don't move the pocket. They're not throwing a lot of screens. I don't see any really, like, in-depth zone read looks. They're not running a variety of different run plays that help fields. Like, everything can be based off zone read and pistol. I mean, it moves the pocket, run wildcat consistently with the quarterback. You're not making it easy on this kid. If anything, you're making him look terrible. And – <laughs> I've always thought this. I thought that Mitch Trubisky, for as shitty as everybody said he was, I didn't really think he was that bad. His numbers weren't that bad. I think Matt Nagy is a fucking dope. And Chicago is a hellhole for quarterbacks. 
And you've got people on Instagram and Twitter apologizing to, to Trubisky because Matt Nagy's the coach. I don't know how you fix this other than just like it's that that moment of clarity. Like Matt Nagy needs to have a moment of fucking clarity and go, okay, man, I, I may not have wanted Justin Fields, but we traded up and got him and he's a hell of a talent. And I think we could do special things with him. I, he, I know he doesn't want to play him. He wants to play Andy Dalton and be safe and all that shit, but it's not happening. Dalton's hurt. You can't play Nick Foles. Give me a fucking break. And you've got this kid under center who you just absolutely surfed to the fucking wolves. Miles Garrett was eating. Malik Jackson was eating. Even Clowney looked good. And I think Clowney's the most overrated fucking player in the NFL. So, <clears throat> excuse me. There's no excuse for that shit. This isn't fucking Pop Warner. It, you know, like he's not a freshman. Like Lewis in Boulder, we can make an excuse for him. He's a freshman. He's holding the ball too long. They got to chase shit up. Yeah, okay. But th this is the 11th pick of the draft. Who's a fucking bona fide stud who runs 4-4 at quarterback and he doesn't move the pocket and they're not running him around and letting him be what he is. This is what I talk about constantly with quarterbacks in college who come into the NFL and you got dickhead coach who just thinks that because it worked with XY, it's going to work with Z. And I don't think that's right. You've got to do it case by case, player by player, system by system, scheme by scheme. And to be completely honest with you, they are doing a disservice to this kid. A disservice. Like, you know he's going to go play and do what he can to help the team. They play Detroit this week. Detroit's coming off a heartbreaking loss. They're not as bad as their own three record. The Lions are going to go in and give fucking Chicago everything they can handle at home. You thought it was bad last week losing to Cleveland, who's pretty fucking good. Think about how awful they're going to feel this week if Detroit and Matt Campbell comes in and bites some kneecaps and makes Fields look even worse. So that's got to be fixed, man. That is, It was an atrocious showing, and it's embarrassing. I mean, it, look, I'm not calling for anybody to get fired or anything, but if there's somebody going to get fucking fired, it's going to be Matt Nagy. His ass might be gone by Halloween at this point. Okay, the Bills put 43 on the Washington football team. For the love of God, could you just name your goddamn team? The Washington Red Tails would be awesome. Pay homage to the Tuskegee Airmen from World War II. That would be incredible. I hope they go that route. Um, Washington's defense is supposed to be legit, and they got absolutely butchered. You know, on Thursday night, they had 10 days to get ready for this game, and they looked this terrible. Uh, they gave up 28 points to the Giants, who are anemic offensively on the Thursday night game, and then they gave up 40 goddamn three points to Buffalo. Josh Allen throws four touchdowns, runs for another one, looks – Looks the part. I mean, you take the one off his jersey, and uh, he wears 17. You take the one off his jersey, and you put him in Bronco, orange, and blue, and he looks like a bigger, stronger, more athletic fucking Duke. That John, Josh Allen looks like John Elway to me, man. And, and he is. The arm angles, he can deliver the ball, how versatile he is, how athletic he is. The snap on the football when it leaves its hand, it is awesome to see. Um, it makes me kind of jealous that they didn't draft him. But I like Bradley Chubb, but, boy, Josh Allen would have looked good in orange and blue. Although, I don't think we would have developed him the same. I don't think we would have had the patience. You know, we don't have Brian Ball. I think we probably would have fucked that up if, if I know something about development of quarterbacks in Denver. Uh, where they're at is a good thing, I'm just saying. Um so uh, Buffalo is one of my locks for this weekend as well as they uh, host the Texans in in or in uh, Orchard Park up there in uh, northern New York. And Washington is another one of my locks. I think that Coach Rivera will have them rolling, uh, ready to go kick some ass at Atlanta in the Peach Dome. 
uh, or in that new Mercedes-Benz dome down there in Atlanta. Um, so those are two of my four losses, to say the least. Uh, the Raiders win in overtime against Miami. They go down 14 to nothing quick. Uh, it looks like they couldn't handle success. And then, bam, they end up winning the game. You know, Josh Carlson from, from Denver, I think he went to Air Academy or Faith Lutheran or something. That kid can kick the ball 100 yards, it seems. He misses a PAT. So they have to go to overtime when Miami, you know, pulls out a couple of fourth down conversions. And they pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and end up going to OT. And then Max Crosby takes over. You know, 98, the, the defensive end for, for the Raiders is, is one of my guys, and he is about as good as they get right now. He's about to get broke off a big time. They're about to pay that man. Uh, he's, a, he's a handful, and he's got that defense playing pretty well, and the Raiders are 3-0, and you know, that was the, the last part of my uh, – that was the last part of my uh, parlay for the week, so it, it was pretty cool to see that happen. Uh, and I, I like the fact that the Raiders are 3-0. It'll make it even sweeter when the Broncos get them uh, and, and whip that ass. Uh, Tampa Bay gets absolutely manhandled by the Rams. Um, Matthew Stafford goes off, looks really good doing it. Deshaun Jackson, two touchdowns in the game cradle or the uh, fountain of youth for that man. He came into the league fast. He's leaving the league fast. Um, Tampa Bay's got some injuries in the secondary, but they're, they're look, man, they're not going to go undefeated. I don't think anybody does. Um, especially with 17 games there. It's a, it's a West coast swing. They're going back and forth. It happens, you know, it exposes some of their weaknesses that help makes them go back to work. Both those teams are going to be there in the end. I would not be surprised if that's a preview of the NFC title game, that game alone may determine who goes to the NFC title game to be completely honest with you. So we will see how all that goes, honestly, but it, Stafford is playing at an MVP level, and you think, like, if, if Detroit just could have done anything with that cat, they had such a good player for so long, and they still couldn't do anything with him. And he goes to L.A., and now it looks like he's just – I mean, he's the founder of youth with him. I'm sure he wants to play for as long as he can with McVay and, and the skill players he has there and the scheme, you know, and just how, much, how fun it is out there on the beach as opposed to being in fucking Detroit. So it is what it is. Uh, I cannot wait for Sunday night of next week or this week when Tampa Bay goes to New England and Brady gets to play Belichick. That is going to be an absolute uh, treat as a football fan to see. And then lastly, Baltimore. Baltimore kicks a 66-yard field goal. This shouldn't have happened. The, the rest blatantly missed the, two, uh, uh, the delayed game. But Baltimore kicks a 66-yard field goal to win the game in Detroit. Justin Tucker sets an NFL record. I was sitting... Uh, in the stands at, at the at the the opener with my boys, and I'm sitting there waiting for the game to happen. I look at my phone, and they're in my parlay, so I needed to win. And they had just gone down 17 and 19. I was like, "Damn it!" Or 17 16. I'm like, "Damn it, man! They're gonna blow this. How are they gonna lose to Detroit?" And then all of a sudden, I look back, and it says 1917 Ravens win, and I'm like, "Justin Tucker, woo!" And this dude comes out, crow hops, and hits a 66 yard game fucking winner that hits the crossbar and goes over the top. Absolute insanity, but it shouldn't have happened. The delay game didn't get called. It's a good two count on the TV copy. So, again, the refs, you'd think, like, maybe that ref had Baltimore in the parlay, too. Um, but that is just insane. The weapon that Justin Tucker is is nuts. Baltimore's 2-1. and one. They beat Kansas City uh, and Detroit back-to-back -back after opening up with a loss uh, in week one. 
So, Baltimore's the next opponent for your Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos looked fantastic on Sunday. The home opener was nuts. My boys absolutely loved it. There's guys parachuting into the game. That place is fucking rocking. It was shaking. Uh, for them to go out and absolutely dominate at the point of attack the way they did, I predicted that they would shut the Jets out like the last time the Jets came to Empower Field, which it was in Vesco at that point. They shut them out then. They shut them out now. Um, they make... Zach Wilson looked like a rookie, bad. Uh, you know, the, the injuries are a huge concern with me with Hamler going down and Reisner going down, but I think that we're deep enough to handle it. You know, never want, I think Reisner is more concerning than Hamler right now. Judy will come back and fill that role with, with KJ. He just needs to repair that ACL, but losing Reisner at left guard, that's a, that's a huge uh, problem if he can't play. Um, the atmosphere, though, at Empower and just the look on my boys' faces, the look on Nick and Logan's face and them just seeing what it is and embracing that power and all that energy and how fun it was. I mean, it was it's why you do this shit. It's why you take them to the games. It's what you want to see as a parent. And, you know, kids that are getting involved with football is that excitement and seeing what it is. Um, that was really the, the payoff for me. Yes, they won. The tailgate at DNVR was incredible. Spano and Ryan and Henry and Adam and everybody up there, Allie and Lindsay. I stood on my on the car and screamed the raffle prizes. That was pretty fun. Uh, they, obviously, the tailgate was kick-ass. So make sure when you go to the Bronco games, you stop by the DNVR tailgate. Um, but the, the atmosphere was unfucking unbelievable. And it was – I don't really know how to explain it other than – you can't match it anywhere. There's nothing like going to a Bronco game. And look, no one's saying that Seattle's atmosphere isn't amazing. The Raiders' atmosphere on Monday Night Football, that was fucking incredible. But I've been to a lot of different stadiums and a lot of different atmospheres, and nothing's really like uh, Empower, Sports Authority, whatever you want to call it. The old mile high. I mean, the old mile high was a little bit more intimate and smaller, but more vertical. And even that place, that place was so nuts to go to a game uh, and, and be involved in that atmosphere and how loud it is. So that Mile High Thunder is real. And Broncos country, you need to keep bringing it because your team is good. Defensively, primarily, they are fucking good. They've got depth in the secondary. They are hard-hitting. Alexander Johnson was silent, silent the whole game, making plays, made up for the loss of Joseph Jewell, who's out for the year. Vaughn looks like he is ready to go man he looks pissed off that he didn't get to play last year he looks super explosive off the edge i would not be surprised at all if Vaughn's a 20 sack guy this year i remember saying this this uh this offseason like if you want to pay bond 18 million bucks made it make it incentive based and say every sack you get is worth a million dollars bond they just signed him to 18.5 and, and and got him on a year. And you may want to start doing the, the restructure in the, in the next four or five years here in Denver ASAP, or you may have to pay him like quarterback because he is absolutely dominating. He's dominating and he's making everybody else better because as he pushes the edge, it forces quarterbacks to step in the pocket. You saw Shelby Harris get a sack like that and constant pressure on Wilson, who ended up throwing a pick. Uh, I thought Simmons was going to take that to the house when he picked it off. So, you can't really sit here and say that there's anything you want to see more from the Broncos other than, of course, competition. And they played three shitty teams. The Giants are terrible. The Jacksonville Jaguars are terrible. And the Jets are god-awful. So, Baltimore coming into Denver this week. The, I think Denver's a one-point favorite right now, so it's a pick em game. I'm staying away from this one. I just want to watch it. I might do some touchdown scores, but that's it. This is going to be a real test. And I know Baltimore's beat up, but they are so 
their culture is so established there of being physical. It really doesn't matter who's in the uniform as long as you're consistent and pretty good at certain positions. And Lamar Jackson is unbelievable. The talent of that guy is, is undebatable. And anybody who thinks that he can't play quarterback at a high level is a fucking dummy. I mean, he's an MVP. He's in the playoffs constantly. He won a playoff game last year. They lost in the division round to Buffalo, but they're going to be there every year. Their defense is always good, regardless of who they trot out there to play defense. Uh, they're, they're pretty consistent. They do their jobs. You know, Coach Wink, their defensive coordinator, was at Denver when I was a Bronco. And you knew what you were going to get. The defense was going to do its job. It was going to be gap sound. They're going to come at you from all different directions. And especially if you get some consistent DB play and they can man up and then, like, combo and bracket some of these guys, holy shit, they're going to do so much different stuff with their D-line and their linebackers and the read games and the, the pressure that they can create. It's, it's fun to watch. So – all that said, I think the breaking point in this game, and unfortunately for the Broncos, is going to be special teams. Coach Harbaugh was a special teams coach with the Eagles before he was drafted, before he was uh, hired by the Ravens. He's been there for 13, 14 years now. He's got a Super Bowl. Obviously, the Baltimore's got their shit together under Coach Harbaugh. He wouldn't be there that long. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in football. And their special teams are always outstanding point in case Justin Tucker hitting a 66-yarder. That guy is as good as it gets. Him and McManus might be the best two kickers in football right now, so that's going to be good to see. But that said, the other aspects of the Broncos special teams are god-fucking-awful. And Tom McMahon, the, the, the special teams coordinator, no one's saying he can't coach. I'm saying the positive talk that he has on the radio and these press conferences be like we just got to get better like the fucking cliches are killing me dog we need to fix it and you need to fix it with starters if it takes that i don't really care how the problem is fixed i don't want the broncos to lose football games because we're not special on special teams so if that means you need to place starters on special teams in order to fix this problem then do it they're getting paid they can handle it. a couple more reps go sit in the fucking cold tub but they've got to fix this problem. Otherwise, it's going to be the reason they lose, I promise you. 100% unequivocally, they will lose this game or a game down the road or multiple games down the road, God forbid, in the playoffs, because they are not special on special teams. So let's see how they do there. This is episode 127, McChesney Unchained. Uh, we're almost done with today's episode. Remember, Tomorrow, uh, my boy, Bo Williams, Bobby Pesavino, and myself will be doing our first Armchair Donkeys podcast in the afternoon. It'll be posted by tomorrow evening where we're talking about nothing but betting and lines and over-unders and all the touchdown scores and who we like this weekend. And when we get it to a certain point, it will be a subscription page. So make sure that you get on then in on that now. And we can share some of this knowledge and put some money in your pocket, whether you're a DraftKings fan or one of the other 9 million betting sites out there. Uh, don't guess. We can definitely help you at Armchair Donkeys. And uh, it's going to be pretty fucking awesome. I cannot wait. All right. So week four, and then we'll get you out of here. Okay. We're not going to talk about college football week four yet. You know, there's good games this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit more again tomorrow on DNBR Buffs as I'm on that with Henry at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. It'll be posted by the afternoon as we wrap up Arizona State. Preview USC coming to the town on Saturday and talk about some of the other good games around the country. All right. So Thursday night, the Jacksonville Jaguars go to Cincinnati. It's a battle of the last two number one picks with uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are winless, going to Cincinnati, who just beat Pittsburgh on the road. They're two and one. Uh, they lost to Chicago in week two, but, you know, they won their opener. 
against Minnesota in overtime. And then they, you know, went to Pittsburgh and beat up the Steelers. And you've, you've got, you know, a Bengal player saying that the Steelers quit at home. That's going to drive that rivalry here. And, and when they go back to the Queen City in Cincinnati, remember last year, Bond Bell damn near killed Juju Schuster when they were playing in that game. I'll take a 15-yard penalty if you're going to hit him like that. That shit was incredible. Set the tone. Cincinnati ended up winning in Cincinnati last year in that game. Uh, but you, know, you can tell the Bengals are getting better. And I'm just excited to see Lawrence against Burrow. It's a rematch of the playoff game a couple of years when Clemson and LSU played before LSU uh, ended up winning the national title. So, I look, I think that it, this game has potential to be really explosive and good. It also has the potential to be one of those Thursday night yawners where it's like 16 to 12. So I, I, I don't know where you, I don't know where you should go here other than just an entertainment basis. This might be a good game to just fucking fall asleep to, to be completely honest with you. Or it could be like 45 to 41. One never knows. There's a lot of young talent on the field and that young talent is either going to explode on Thursday night because it's a short week or it's going to absolutely implode on Thursday night because it's a fucking short week. All right. So I've got four locks for this week. Okay. I already talked to you about Washington and Atlanta. I would, I would hammer Washington there. I just don't think that I don't think Atlanta can handle that front four to say the least. And they're not going to have another shitty uh, display on defense, not three in a, in a row, not under Ron Rivera. The Texans go to Buffalo. That's an absolute lock. I think Buffalo mops up Houston. Uh, the Giants are at New Orleans. I think that's a lock. New Orleans looked really good going to uh, going to New England and making New England look bad. Multiple turnovers, multiple special teams problems. That's not really what you see out of New England a lot. So we'll see what happens there. And then the Titans go to the Jets. And look, I love the Jets. They're my team, but they are dog shit. Um, and Bud Dupree and that defense is getting right. They're going to eat against uh, that offensive line. You know, the, the huge tackle from Louisville, Beckham is out. McGovern, their center, can only do so much. Everybody else is kind of, you know, holding on to their ass, hoping for Zach Wilson not to throw another pick. And Tennessee is just hammering the rock right now in the run game. Derrick Henry looks like he might go for 2,000 yards again. Uh, Julio Jones looks really good. A.J. Brown got hurt last week, but, you know, it's a soft tissue injury. We'll see what happens there. But they, they look like they've got the shit together after that week one loss where they were embarrassed by Arizona at home. They went on the road to Seattle and got a huge win. That's not an easy place to win. And then they went on the road or they hosted uh, the Colts last week and absolutely hammered Indianapolis and forced them to 0-3. And Tennessee sitting at 2-1 with a chance to go 3-1 and and move forward. They're not going to go on the road to the Jets and lose. Now, that said, last year Cleveland went on the road when they were a 10-win team and I took them hard in that game. They were my last parlay, and they got beat by the Jets. It was one of those two games that New York won last year. So, again, no one's saying that the Jets can't win. I just don't see it happening at this point in the season. Last year was just a letdown game from an immature Cleveland team. Mike Vrabel loses to the Jets at, you know, in New York with this Tennessee team, and he may not let anybody on the plane on the way back to fucking Knoxville, to say the least. Uh, as Vrabel's, you know, an expatriate, he hates losing to the Jets. There's no doubt about that. All right, so. <clears throat> top games for the weekend, Carolina at Dallas. That's going to be an absolute barn burner. Carolina's 3-0. Dallas is 2-1. They scored 41 points last night on Monday Night Football. Dak Prescott looks so good. Tony Pollard and Zeke have a great one-two punch. Zeke is this in between the tackle. Absolute fucking hammer. And Pollard is one of the most fast-twitch players in the NFL right now. He's averaging over seven yards a carry, which is leading the league. They've got multiple weapons outside. Dalton Schultz, who's a Colorado kid. Uh, went to Chatfield, played at Virginia Tech, is 
balling the fuck out. Uh, and I, I think Dallas is the best team in the East. They're going to host a playoff game this year. They're really good. I predicted that at the beginning of the year, and it seems to be coming to, to fruition. Uh, Seattle, one and two, uh, two back-to-back tough losses. They lose to Tennessee at home. Then they go on the road and lose to Minnesota uh, by two or three in Minnesota. The defense, again, even with a guy like Bobby Wagner, who had 20 tackles the other day, 20 in one game, even with Bobby Wagner, they are severely struggling defensively. Jamal Adams, yes, he's a good blitzer, but he gets he is getting exposed in coverage. And to be completely honest with you, there's some there's a disconnect. Ken Norton Jr. has got there's something wrong with what he's saying and relaying to the rest of his team. They've got too much talent to play this shitty, and they've got no pass rush whatsoever. They they drafted L.J. Kolar uh, the other uh, two years ago from TCU. He was he was not dressed. Uh, in the first week of the season because of a coach's decision. That's not good when you're a first-rounder. He's really struggling, not getting any pressure on the quarterback. They didn't bring back Jadavion Clowney this year. Again, I think he's the most overrated player in football, but he was better than any pass rushes they had last year. I mean, they need to hit the waiver wire or get on the phone or do something. The fact that they didn't go after Bud Dupree uh, last year in free agency, very hard, and they let him go to Tennessee. He went out and absolutely ate the tackle alive in that game last week when Tennessee beat Seattle. So they've got to find some way to pressure the quarterback in Seattle. And if they don't, it's going to be on Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and Carson cooking all year. And eventually that's going to get you beaten, especially in the NFC West, which is a fucking unbelievably good division. Speaking of the NFC West, Arizona and Kyler Murray and all those animals uh, with the Cardinals go to the Rams. The Cardinals are two and one. They just mopped up Jacksonville. Uh, The Rams are three and oh and looking good doing it. Um, shit, the Cardinals are 3-0, excuse me. Both teams are 3-0. It's a battle undefeated. Arizona, okay? Arizona's special, man. Arizona and Kyler Murray. If I was starting a franchise right now, I would take Kyler Murray number one. And Kyler Murray doesn't look like he can play quarterback. And 20 years ago, they wouldn't have allowed him to. But the way that he plays and his his strength of his arm and the way he flicks it off his hand, just like that he's throwing a baseball from center field to home plate, he is so accurate and so athletic, and he's just a little water bug out there making people look stupid. He did it again last week. I didn't anticipate him doing it this week. And I have Arizona winning this game flat, okay? They're, they're a four-and-a-half-point dog on the road. I think they go on the road and beat the Rams. You know, that's the way that the NFL works. It means not for long, not National Football League. So, yes, the Rams are sitting high right now, and everything's great. They just beat the GOAT. Well, now you got, you know, you've got the, the squirrel coming in, and he's hard to catch to say the fucking least. So I, I think that Kyler Murray is going to give the Rams all they can handle this weekend on Sunday. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a very high scoring game. They go back and forth the whole time. Chandler Jones, JJ Watt, and Isaiah Simmons, and, and then them boys on, on defense for Arizona, they've got to pressure Stafford and force some turnovers. And I mean, who are you going to double team? You double team Deshaun Jackson, Cooper Cup's open. You double team Cup, uh, Rashawn Woods is open. You double team Woods and Higby's open. They got dudes everywhere. And Sean McVay is just like a little kid in a candy store fucking figuring out which which guy he wants to roll with this week. So I love the way that they're identifying matchups. And, you know, last week in the Tampa game, they were showing a lot of love to Cooper Cup. And Deshaun Jackson was running the seam routes for touchdowns like fucking butter. So it was real easy to say the least, and they make it look easy. It's not that easy. Um, 
the last top game here before we talk about Sunday and Monday night and get you out of here after we preview Broncos and Ravens is Browns at Minnesota. Minnesota's one and two. I think they're sneaky good. Thielen and Jefferson are special. Cook didn't play last week. He got beat up in the Arizona game. He needed a week off. You know, Kirk Cousins, for being a slappy and a weirdo, he's pretty good. He's doing really well this year and delivering the ball and you would think that Mike Zimmer's defense would be a little bit better, but they played some really good teams up to this point. They've been tested. They lost them in, in the opener to Cincinnati in the Queen City in overtime. The game against Arizona in week two was a fucking barn burner. If Christian Kirk scores on that one, that's another $10,000 day, but he's three yards short that broke the big guy's heart. And then last week, they ended up beating Seattle. They were down. They came back. They beat Seattle at home. Minnesota is going to be battle tested. And if they can get one or two from, from the Packers and they beat, they take both against Detroit and take both against Chicago, which I expect them to do. Minnesota is going to be right there fighting for the NFC North title and, and definitely a playoff team. They are good enough on both sides of the ball to be a playoff team. Jefferson and Thielen are just fucking special. It's going to come down to their offensive line, though, and their defensive line. They went outside Everson Griffin. They've got Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter is a great defensive end. He can apply pressure, but you can double-team him and scheme him, chip him, you know, to figure out a way to max pro with your tight end and take him out of the game to a point. Uh, they've got to find one more guy that can apply pressure. Michael Kendricks is awesome. Anthony Barr is awesome. I love uh, the, the the safety, uh, Hunter Smith from Notre Dame. He's a consummate all-pro. So you would expect them to play better on defense under Mike Zimmer, and I think they will as the season continues. Sunday night, Tampa Bay at New England. I don't know if you can find a cooler game than this. Like, I, am, I I'm so excited to watch this game on Sunday night. I don't even know what to do with myself. And I'm, I'm recording it and turning my phone off. I'm going to the, see the toadies at the Ogden on, on Sunday night and rock the fuck out for an hour and a half. Then I go home and watch the Bucks play the New England in, at, at, in New England at Gillette, Belichick against Brady. I mean, you couldn't write a script better than this. So I'm pretty excited about the game, to say the least. I think Tampa Bay wins. I don't. There's no way in hell Tom – first of all, Tom Brady doesn't lose games back-to-back. -back. It's very, very rare. Second, there's no way Tom Brady, after building that house and all those banners and everything he's done, is going to allow a fucking rookie quarterback to beat him on national TV. So Belichick is going to just have to eat a little bit of crow here as they fall to one and three. I'm not saying this is a lock lock, but this is as close to a lock. I would throw it over here. Just I couldn't do it because New England is pretty good. And, you know, I know they're one and two and shit, but Belichick is going to have something special for Tom. And if anybody knows how to beat Tom Brady, it's the Giants and Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots. So he knows everything that Tom does well and everything he doesn't do well. And I'm sure he's going to do everything humanly possible to make Tom Brady's life a living hell. And Gronkowski, remember Gronk's going back as well. Antonio Brown's going back to a point. He was only there for about three weeks. Gronk got popped in the game and had to leave early because of ribs. You know, he's a big bastard. And he got a, he got a nice little shot in his rib case. So hopefully he's healthy. I definitely want to see 87 on the field in this one. Uh, but that's going to be one hell of a football game. And, and um, as the, if you're in the NFL and you're talking about marketing, and just the ability to, like, get people to watch a game. I bet you this is the same kind of numbers the Super Bowl gets, would be my guess. This is as good of a – as big of a regular season game as you're ever going to get. Um, and it could be the only time you ever see it because it's not like Tampa Bay and New England play each other a whole lot. So this could literally be the only time you ever see Brady against Belichick unless New England somehow makes the Super Bowl this year or next year and then everything falls in line. 
but I don't think New England's going to be going down that road. They look uh, they look like an eight and eight or an eight and nine, nine and eight type team that doesn't make the playoffs at this point. And then Monday night, like we said, the Raiders three and zero go to the Chargers two and one. Uh, the Raiders are getting a lot better. Gruden and his experiment seems to be working. And then, you know, that's kind of a toss-up. I think it's going to be a home game for the Raiders, like we said earlier. This is episode 127 McChesney Unchained. I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney. Make sure you go to 60academy.com. Check out everything we do down at the facility. 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram to give you an idea of all the guys that are kicking ass down at the gym. And if you're a parent out there that needs help, this is what we do. Uh, we can definitely help you get recruited, get you on the road out there, and leverage some of these opportunities. Um, remember, our Care Donkeys kicks off tomorrow afternoon. Next week, episode 128, we'll wrap up all this football talk and get you going into week six. So, I or week five, excuse me. I'm your host, Matt McChesney. Thank you to Adam and everybody down at DNVR for all they do. At or uh, check out everything at thednvr.com for all the other shows. Remember, we'll be on DNVR bus tomorrow with Man Henry at two o'clock. Thank you, folks. Have a great day.